for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome in to the blue horseshoe podcast ryan hickey and george bremer here with you for the midweek edition George, we are going on week number three now of the Colts head coaching search. No head coach name. Still very little leaked out. We'll kind of give you, since really the Colts aren't giving it to you, we'll try to give you our top five head coaching candidates or, or finalists, if you will, for this head coach position. We have two quarterback shorts also on the market this uh, offseason. Is it worth the Colts instead of? We've been talking about draft, draft, draft. Should they trade, trade, trade? We'll discuss that. Uh, as well in this load edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. So a lot to talk about here on this midweek, uh, midweek edition. But, George, the only really news we've gotten so far, it's been very tight-lipped over there in Indy with, with the head coaching search and how it's going outside of the million candidates so far they are trying to interview. The only thing we know that is concrete for sure right now is that Dan Quinn will get a second interview at some point later in the week. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, so that could be Wednesday, could be Thursday, could be Friday. He's a man who's now kind of going through second interviews this week. But you were mentioned before off air that we are, yeah, you think it's a good sign for the Colts, at least that he is willing to take a second interview. Why is that? Yeah, you know, I think one of the big discussions we had towards the end of the year, you know, if people want to go back and, and relive the misery of this season for some reason, go find our <laughs> old pods. Uh, you know, was the idea of how much damage did Jim Irsay do when the circus came to town, you know, in October and in November. And we, we said, well, we should find out pretty quickly into the offseason because there's going to be some pretty, you know, clear indicators. And I think the early candidates list was positive. And we, we mentioned that, you know, on one of the early offseason pods. And then some things kind of went the other way. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's canceled an interview here. We don't know if he, he'll make it in for a first interview now or not. Can't do that, obviously, until Monday. I uh, don't know if they'll want to wait that long. And then you had Ben Johnson back out. And that wasn't specific Colts related, but he had interviewed here and he backed out and decided to stay in Detroit, which isn't, you know, exactly going to make you want to jump for joy about the situation. But then you look at Dan Quinn. He's a guy right now who's going to be the first known candidate to have a second interview with any team. He's supposedly in Arizona uh, on Tuesday as we record this. The Broncos also want to talk to him for a second interview. The Colts obviously wanted to bring him in as well. And at least it sounds like he's at least agreed to that. Now we'll see. I mean, you know, this could be dated by the time uh, this airs. Maybe he's already the head coach in Arizona. Who knows? But just the fact that he apparently is open to that idea, I think, is is good uh, because obviously he's a coach with options. And I still, and I think I've said this before, number one on my list for, for head coaches, get the circus out of town. Whoever can come in here and get the, the tents rolled up and packed back on the train, <laughs> move that circus on to the next destination, uh, that should be number one on, on, on the list. And I think Dan Quinn's one of those guys that can do that. You know, I, I know there's going to be people concerned, and we can talk about this more as we get into it, about some of the things in his past, one game in particular. Uh, but I think he's a guy with experience. He's a guy that players relate to. Uh, and I think he's a guy who would stand a really good chance of keeping Gus Bradley here as a defensive coordinator. Uh, and I think that could help this defense go to the next level. So is he number one on my list? No. But I think it's a good sign that, that he's still interested. Uh, and I think that it's a good, I again, the most important quality to, to me is someone who can put the clowns back in the car and, and, and move on from the circus. I'm with you. Like I said, and Arizona is, I feel like, tempting for its own reasons. I know Kyler Murray's not going to probably be there for, I would 
project most of not all of next season. So that is kind of a tougher job. But again, if you want to withstand and at least the owner, Michael Bidwell can promise you basically a grace period of a year, then you, okay, you got Kyler Murray. That's enticing. The Broncos, if you think you could fix Russell Wilson, again, that's something where, you know, the, the Walt Penner family, a lot of money there, number one. And number two, if you have a quarterback you used to believe in, all of a sudden, again, it's not as, you know, it's not as bad as maybe you thought it was about a month or two ago. So you are right. It's nice that Dan Quinn, for a man who is uh, who's wanted, that he's still considering the culture right now and still willing to get a second interview. Like I said, I'm with 100% because that was the biggest fear. We've been talking about it really since Jeff Satter was hired. Just like how is that, you know, the, the Colts kind of paying the piper, not then when, you know, the initially uh, the hiring went down, but after the season when you're trying to get candidates. I think it's also a larger point too, George. You mentioned, you know, D'Amico Ryan's backing out and Ben Johnson, you know, you know, backing out of, you know, any head coaching opportunity uh, for this uh, for this season. Colts still then have 12 different candidates they've interviewed and you could say are still in the mix, which is, again, a selling that is still encouraging. I would say maybe, you know, losing out on Jim Harbaugh to Michigan and not even interviewing Sean Payne, you could say that's, again, I think that's personally a mistake. And I think that's, that's really where they dropped the ball. But it's still an attractive, again, job where you still have 12 different candidates, all, I think, qualified in different areas and all, you know, most of them I think you would feel pretty good about if you're a Colts fan of them being the head coach. It's still like a, a good sign that, again, Jim Irsay, thankfully, hasn't scared off too many people, despite the fact that that two-month stretch, it should have, it should have, George, really scared almost anyone with any head coaching aspirations far, far, far away from Indy. You know, I think that's that's a very good point, Ryan. And I also think there's two big names, as you mentioned, that, that aren't in this, and I think people expect it to be in, in Jim Harbaugh and, and Sean Payton, obviously. Uh, but th this is a, not a bad group. I mean, you look at guys like Brian Callahan, uh, who I'm surprised didn't get more um, offers, you know, hasn't been interviewed more often in, in this cycle. Along those lines, I'm surprised Lou Anarumo didn't get any. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. Bengals defense these last couple of postseasons has been outstanding. Uh, but, you know, Raheem Morris is a guy that I know the Rams were really high on him. Uh, he also interviewed in Denver. And most of these guys, I think, I don't think Wink Martindale had another suitor that, that i don't think that so either yeah now i don't think aaron glenn had one that i know of and then obviously jeff saturday and bubba ventrone the two in-house guys other than that i think there were 15 guys that they they talked to at one point or another so i think 11 of them were at least one other team brought in so i mean it's it's a good it's a good sign i guess 10 because Callahan didn't have another one either but should have i don't think anybody feels like he's, you know, a low tier candidate. So you, you look at that and, and I think it's telling that, you know, amongst the coordinators, they seem to get the top guys. I don't think got turned down by anybody, maybe outside of Ryan's. Um, and then that might've been scheduled, you know, I mean, the, the, there's definitely some talk about that as well. He was obviously the 49ers are still going and uh, have had some really busy stuff, but you saw the giants coordinators uh, even before they lost, you know, agree to that, that interview on, Sunday and Dan Quinn came in the first time before his game. So I don't, I don't know how much that played into, but other than Ryan's, I can't think of a, of a coordinator who didn't come here, uh, who they asked. Um, and we don't know of any other candidates. Now they don't report. There were two interviews that, that happened that we didn't even know they had requested. So, you know, maybe they were yeah. turned down by other people that, that, that we're not aware of, but, there isn't anything, there's no like neon sign flashing here saying, you know, this was a problem area. And I think that's, it was one of the things we were worried about coming into the off season. So 
at least as far as that goes, uh, things have gone well so far. Right. We'll give you our top five list of candidates here in a second, but right. It's not like we're searching here and basically desperate for basically anyone to come to the job, please like begging people to come interview and trying to drag people to become the head coach. Right. That's a good sign for sure. And they can, they do have a pick of the litter, maybe not the, the best litter you would have hoped for before the season started, but you are right about that. They do have a, a pick of the litter. One thing I want to mention really fast here. It's actually bothered me a lot when it comes to the overall head coaching search. The timeline is so stupid. It's actually like, it's, it's actually maddening, George, the timeline of how the NFL does run their head coaching search because it's so counterproductive. It makes no sense that D'Amico Ryans was supposed to interview before it canceled with two teams the morning of an NFC divisional round game. Like You are now making assistants pick either between the biggest game of their life, which is you know at some point in the playoffs, or the biggest interview of their life, which is obviously trying to get a head coaching job. You shouldn't have to pick. It just bothers me so much that it's like you're, we're at a point where you could have coaches either miss out on a job interview because, like, let's say the Colts didn't want to be patient. Well, Brian Dable, and I actually commend Brian Dable for this. I give him credit for it, not allowing Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka to interview till after the division round game is over. Let's say the Colts didn't want to wait, and they said, you know, we're just going to go, and, you know, by this Friday we, want to, we have someone, and they pick someone else. Maybe Mike Kafka could have been the best candidate out of the bunch. We don't know, but let's just say he was. And you miss out on that because you now, you're you know, again, guys have to choose between – coaching a playoff game, trying to get this current team to the Super Bowl, but also at the same time trying to juggle, you know, again, the biggest interview of their life. It just, it's so counterproductive. And I think it's part of the reason why you see so many failed head coaches and so many guys run out of town in two or three years. It's like you really, number one, can't, I feel like, give your best interview. You, If you're a team, you really can't go, you know, you can't spend that much time with the candidate you want because they're so busy throughout the week, either with other interviews or, again, if they're still in the playoffs, trying to game plan to get ready for the playoffs. It's just so frustrating that, like, you see how this process works out. It's so flawed, but yet nothing changes every single year. I think it's why a lot of teams end up settling for a second or third choice, too, because unless your first choice is just so far up your board that, that you're just going to wait and, and sacrifice whatever it takes, like you're talking about, you know, a lot of times it's, well, candidate A and candidate B are very close on our board, and we can't talk to A until next week, so let's just go ahead and get him in here. Um, he's going to put together a good staff. He, you know, he'll be here for the senior bowl. There's a lot of other things right. at play in, in this too, that I think come into it. I think Brian Callahan's a great example. I mean, you mentioned the two giants coordinators, you mentioned D'Amico uh, and, and the hurdles that they've had. And there's no doubt about that. Callahan, apparently the call came in like Wednesday. He does the interview Thursday after practice as they're preparing, you know, for a huge game in Buffalo. Uh, and now you're in a situation where if he wins on Sunday, and they go back to the Super Bowl, are the Colts, who were burned by the Josh McDaniels situation, willing to, you know, name him and wait and hope that he actually shows up? I mean, I, I don't think that's going to burn Ballard to the point that he wouldn't do it again, but it's it's got to be in the back of everybody's mind. It's happened. Yeah. Everybody saw it, you know, with their own eyes. Um, does it hurt a, a candidate? You know, are you punished for going to Super Bowl? And we've seen other cycles where guys haven't gotten second interviews at all because of it, or guys, you know, other other guys were chosen over them because they were still in the playoffs. I don't think it's it's like you said, it's counterproductive. Um, I, I think it hurts the coaches because of the all the things that you mentioned, their difficulties for them in in, in putting their best foot forward. Uh, and I think it hurts, in all honesty, the teams because you've got to make decisions that are somewhat compromised. You got to sit down and say, "Okay, I don't want to. I really want to hire, say, Brian Callahan." Just throwing this out there, mm -hmm. you know, to use the example. 
But Dan Quinn's interview was really good, and Raheem Morris's interview was really good, and we can hire them this week. And we've got to wait till next week for him, and and potentially further. I mean, you wait right. and, and see what happens Sunday, then you can't hire him until what second, third week of February. So I think, yeah, to me, there's no reason not to delay this till after the Super Bowl. I know the league's going to give you a bunch of talk about draft prep and, and and all these other things, and they're all true. You know, missing the Senior Bowl and coming in, you know probably after the combine. I mean, if we're not starting interviews until after the Super Bowl, the, the coaches are probably going to be hired after the combine. And in most of these cases, uh, there's definitely detriments to that. But at the end of the day, I think it's more important, not that they get off to a slow start, but that you get the right person and that they have the best ability to, you know, represent themselves in the process. Without a doubt. And it's just like I said, especially when you hear some of the stories of, like trying to squeeze in, you know, interviews the day of games, the day before games. In Brian Callen's case, like I said, you know, he gets a call 24 hours later, he's interviewing and on, and you're trying to get ready for their, you know, again, a game in Buffalo, which is a really tough test. It just, it just, it's, it's so just, it's insane to think, like I said, you have to ask these assistants to, to in the biggest week of their lives, do two mega things in terms of preparing for a game and also prepare for an interview, which those interviews, you know, three, four hours, it's not like it's like one of those, quick zoom 30 minute interviews. Oh, you know, what do you like about us? What do you know about us sort of thing? What kind of offense you like it is detailed as, as you know, it is hardcore, you know, hours and hours of, of talk. And what would your staff look like? How, what would the offense do? You know, I'm sure questions asked like some guys on the roster, what, what would your first move be? And it's just like, you have to have all those ready to go. And oh yeah, by the way, in, in between all that, you're not sitting there days and, and even weeks in advance, scouting the Colts, breaking down their roster, thinking of ideas. That's, Oh no, I'm breaking down the bills. I got to get rid of the bills. Oh, actually, hold on. Let me just take a quick call really quick to go interview and then we'll go back to bills prep. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but that is at least right now the way the NFL calendar does work. All right. Oh, sorry there, George. I am too excited that the mic is going all over the place. Too excited. Exciting to be- Let's go top five candidates, George, because the Colts aren't going to leak anything. So we're at least going to try to, to, to give you an idea of maybe the five best candidates here for the Colts to hire. So, I guess we'll include Dan Quinn in this, right? Since he is a, a basically an unofficial finalist getting the second interview. All right, so one down, Dan Quinn is their defense coordinator for the Cowboys. And again, if you want to look at you know recency bias, uh, pretty damn good job against the 49ers that that Cowboys defense played on, on Sunday, really shutting them down, locking down the run game, only allowing 19 points, holding Brock Purdy to easily the worst game of his career in the very short sample size that it's been. The Cowboys defense, I think, is not to fault whatsoever in terms of that loss on Sunday. So Dan Quinn. We know his defensive resume, what he's done in Dallas. They forced a ton of turnovers. It's done a really good job so far two years. Two guys we talked about a good amount so far, right, that I like a lot that have been interviewing recently. Brian Callen, uh, Brian Callen, as you mentioned, we just talked about a lot, OC for the Bengals, and Mike Kafka, OC for the Giants. I think, to me, those are two guys absolutely should be finalists because those two guys representing what you want on offense, and that is this. It is development, right? Both worked with, if you're Brian Callen, obviously you worked a lot with Joe Burrow. If you're Mike Kafka, you worked a lot with Daniel Jones this year. And him and Brian Dable did a tremendous job turning Daniel Jones's career around. If you're Mike Kafka, uh, he did a, you know, a wonderful job in terms of uh, even before working, um, working with Daniel Jones, being in Kansas City, working with Patrick Mahomes, kind of work with Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes is still a rookie and still kind of, you know, working through his development. So you have that. And you, again, if you're going to draft a rookie quarterback, which you think the Colts will, I think development as a head coach is extremely important. 
uh, part of the role here. I think both of those guys check those boxes. And then again, too, you, you look at what Brian Callen is able to do in Buffalo on Sunday. It wasn't just the fact that Joe Burrow was great. And that's, you know, you can't teach, you can't teach it. Right? When you have one of those great quarterbacks, it just happens. But the play calling, the design, the run game itself, too, like they just, they absolutely just punished Buffalo. Even with a banged up offensive line, Brian Callen had a lot to do with that, even though it's not the one directly calling plays. You know, he's in the guy who's, is Bill Callahan's son, so an offensive line background. You saw the offensive line with three starters down, just maul the Buffalo front. So that's one of those things where I think those two guys, for what the Colts are looking at in terms of trying to bring explosiveness, trying to bring quarterback development to uh, to this offense, I think those two guys, for me, check the boxes and should be, along with Dan Quinn, kind of three of the highest guys on the list there. Yeah, you know, I think you throw Shane Steichen in there for a lot of the mm-hmm. same reasons in terms of you know his ability to, to develop J- Jalen Hurts. Uh, over in Philly, but I think the the thing with Callahan to me is that offensive line piece of the puzzle. I mean, when, when you're talking about obviously um, you know, growing up around the game with an offensive line coach and his dad, Bill Callahan, that's what he's mainly known for. I know he's head coach with the Raiders in Nebraska and briefly with the Commanders and on an interim job. But yeah, when you right. think of Bill Callahan in this league, you think of him as one of the top offensive line coaches. The Browns certainly just paid him like one of the top offensive line coaches. Uh, so I think you've got a guy who understands that on a level that that maybe not every head coach does uh, in Brian Callahan. And you see it, you know, in his offense, offense coordinator role paying off. That was a really difficult going to Buffalo period. I think that was his second time they, they lost a home playoff game ever for the Bills. Uh, you know, going to Buffalo period is such a difficult task and going up there with three offensive line starters down. Uh, when you look at what derailed this team this season, that's got to be a really high mark for Brian Callahan. Um, I also like the fact that he's worked with a lot of different styles of quarterbacks. He's worked in a lot of different offenses. You can go back to Denver with Peyton Manning. He's in Detroit with Matthew Stafford. He was out uh, briefly with the Raiders and, and Derek Carr. And then, you know, obviously here in in uh, Cincinnati where he spent four years really developing Joe Burrow from rookie into you know, MVP caliber quarterback. He's not going to win it this year, but I don't think anyone will be surprised if he does it at some point before he hangs up his cleats. Um, I, I just think that's, I like that because one of the things that, that Chris Ballard said in, in that postseason interview that I thought was interesting was that he wanted, you know, I asked specifically about developing a young quarterback and how important that would be, you know, a coach's ability to bring in a structure to, to, to make that happen. And he said that it was important that a coach be able to win with average to above average quarterback play. Now, it's hard to judge that with Kyle Ham because he's played with really good, you know, he's been with really good quarterbacks, but he just did it with average to above average, maybe below average offensive line play, which I think is the same thing. I think it's in the same, you know, family there. So he clearly likes the run game. He clearly emphasizes that. Um you know that's going to be an important role here. I don't think anyone's oh, yeah. shocked to hear that. Um, I just think those two factors, the offensive line, the run game, married together um, with his background with quarterbacks, I, I put him really high on the list. You know, For me, I, I think Brian Callahan is a guy worth waiting on if that's what they have to do. Agreed. We'll see what they what they think. Uh, the, the other name that you didn't mention that I think is is high on my list is Raheem Morris. Um, and again, it goes back to my number one criteria, get the circus out of town. Uh, he's got the experience. He's been a head coach before he's highly, highly thought of out there in LA. Um, I think he could bring a good staff, which I think is, is really important. I think that's another thing that Quinn has 
going for him. Morris is another guy who could potentially keep Gus Bradley in town, uh, who has good offensive connections as far as putting together an offensive coordinator uh, and quarterbacks coach that's going to be obviously highly important in this offseason if it plays out the way we think it will. Um, and so I think that's, you know, those, I would say probably my five would be Morris, uh, Quinn, obviously, because he's, he's on it. Um, I, I think Shane Steichen, Brian Callahan and Mike Kafka. And if you look at that, it's, it's offense heavy. Um, and I think for me, a lot of that comes down to you drafting a quarterback. And we've talked about this before. As much as Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris meet my number one criteria, and they probably are, are number one and one A in that regard because they have the head coach experience, they know what it takes, what what it should look like, and could probably get it back to, to normal faster than maybe the other candidates. You always worry, even if they say, even if they bring in like Mike LaFleur or Zach Robinson or one of these Sean McVay connected, you know, offensive guys to be their coordinator. If things go well, how long do they stay? I mean, right. you look at Kafka's in this cycle after one year. Um, yeah, you know, Tykins in it after two years. So that to me is why I lean towards an offensive guy. You don't want a rookie changing coordinators, you know, every year. I'm I'm hundred percent with you. Like I said, it's 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 tough to or if you're gonna have even like I said, things will go well, maybe two years from now, like it, whether it's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, well, whatever quarterback the Colts end up drafting, I said you don't want them kind of cycling through coordinator after coordinator i mean look one quick example here to wrap up this is josh allen right you look at josh allen this year with sean mcdermott a defensive head coach josh allen this year compared to josh allen last year with brian dayball you see the difference ken dorsey this year did not do you know whether it's play calling whether it's just kind of scheme as well that offense was not the same this year it was not as consistent not as deadly as it was last year i think a big reason for that you see the the one really missing piece was brian dayball and he left to go become a head coach. And so when you have a defensive mind head coach and you lose the offense coordinator, even when you have a great quarterback, it's not as easy as just plug and play every single time. And maybe you get two in a row, right? Maybe you replace the first offense coordinator and the second one that, that also works well. But then maybe the third time is the one that struggles. And now, you know, whatever quarterback it is, four or five years in, you're asking questions of, are they regressing? Like, is this, you're paying big money. Is this what we're, you know, we're paying for? I, I'm with you where it's, if you go the offensive mind and we have three of the five offensive mind head coaches there, you know they're not leaving. Like you know they are there, and you don't have to really worry about the shuffling offensively and the system changing and the scheme changing. It would be consistent. That's why for me, I do. I'm with you. Do especially when you're drafting a young quarterback here, as we anticipate. I do like the fact that you could, if you do hire an offensive mind head coach, whether it's Shane Steichen, whether it's Mike Kafka, whether it is uh, Brian Callahan, you know they're there, and that at least is one constant, which is part of the way you develop a rookie quarterback: consistency. And that's, uh, I'm with you. That's why I would give those three guys a little bit of an edge over Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn. So that is the official Blue Horseshoe final five, if you will, head coaching candidates there, George. We have Dan Quinn, defensive uh, coordinator for the Cowboys, Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator for the Rams, offense coordinator for the Eagles, Shane Sykin, offense coordinator for the Bengals, Brian Callahan, and finally, offense coordinator for the Giants, Mike Kafka. 